Amen and amen. You may be seated. We're so glad you're in worship with us this morning. Today we do continue in our series, Keep the Faith. And we have covered some territory in that series, how to keep the faith when you feel far from God, how to keep the faith when you fail, how to keep the faith when you're impatient. Today we talk about trouble. Next week we conclude the series, and you may want to be here for that particular message. I'm talking about how to keep the faith when you deal with difficult people. Anybody deal with difficult people out there? Well, don't raise your hand. You may be sitting next to them. I don't know. <laughs> but come back on Sunday, next Sunday, and we'll, we'll dive into that. But uh, first, today we're talking about T-R-O-U-B-L-E, trouble. Let us be in an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for the gift of this morning, the music that stirs us, the fellowship that warms us, the prayers that inspire us. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching this word to these, my friends, and your servants, Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, please speak to me and through me in such a way today that all of us receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A photographer for a national magazine was given the assignment of taking pictures of a big forest fire. But there was so much smoke, he couldn't get any good pictures. And so his home office arranged to have a plane for him so he could take pictures high above. They said, listen, go to the airport. There'll be a plane waiting for you. So this photographer went to the airport. And there was a a plane getting warmed up on the runway, and he thought, that's my plane. And he grabbed his equipment and jumped into the plane, and off they went. And he said to the pilot, now, now, pilot, I need you to go to the north side of the fire and take about three or four low-level passes. The pilot said, why? He said, I'm a photographer. And photographers, they take pictures. And the pilot replied, you mean you're not the instructor? They were in trouble. They both were in trouble. You know, trouble has a way of finding us in life, doesn't it? It's a part of life. If you are a human being living on this earth, you will find trouble. And I don't know how you define trouble. Maybe you come into worship today dealing with some kind of trouble. Trouble comes in all shapes and sizes, I've learned in my life. I was in high school. It was a Friday afternoon. I had just returned home from playing tennis. I had made plans with my friends to go out that night, so I was rushing in, trying to get ready to go out. When I got home, my parents were in their bedroom, and they called me to their bedroom to talk. I thought I was in trouble. Yes, it was a different kind of trouble. I walked into their bedroom, and my dad was sitting on a chair, taking off his shoes, and my mom was standing next to him, and he looked up and said, Charlie, I need to tell you, I have cancer. George was a great guy. He worked for many years for this company. They threw a big retirement party for him. His wife came. They roasted him. They presented him with all kinds of of gifts. It was a great event. And when they asked George and his wife what they were going to do in their retirement, they said, travel. We always wanted to travel. They went home that night feeling wonderful about the event and excited about their future. The next day, George's wife collapsed and died. 
The Andersons were a great young family. They had great parents. Those kids had great parents. They invested their money well. Those kids would always be taken care of. One day, Mr. Anderson was at work, and his wife called him. And she said, honey, have you seen, have you seen the news? We've lost everything. You see, they invested in a swindler named Bernie Madoff. That's the thing about trouble. It rarely announces itself before it comes. Trouble rarely says, here I come, here I come, get ready. We wish it would. And that way we could be more prepared for it. But that's not how trouble works, does it? In fact, you're one of three people today. You're coming out of trouble. You're in the middle of trouble, or you're about to get into trouble. Amen? And it's because of this hard truth that all of our lives are truly defined by how we respond to trouble. It's true. All of our lives are truly defined by how we respond and cope with trouble. Think about it. Addicts are known, are defined by the way they try to numb themselves to trouble. Atheists blame the absence of God for trouble in life. Criminals act out defensively against trouble. Narcissistic victims exploit trouble to avoid responsibility. You look at all unhealthy people in life, and oftentimes you will find unhealthy responses to trouble. In fact, the late M. Scott Peck, who wrote The Road Less Travel, would say that so much human dysfunction can be explained with the inability to truly deal with, face, and cope with trouble. At the bottom of all unhealthy responses to trouble, you'll find is one thing. And this one thing is the enemy of all that brings joy and peace and life, and it's called panic. Panic is the feeling of being out of control. Panic is grabbing anything and everything that you think, even if it's toxic, is going to bring you some sense of control in your life. Does that sound familiar? Maybe you're putting on a good show to others today, but perhaps inside you're really coming apart. Maybe your job is in trouble. Or maybe you can't find a job and the bills are piling up. Maybe, maybe your marriage is in trouble. Maybe there's some issue in life and you feel like you're in deep trouble and you're about to go into a time of panic. You really want to panic. Well, let me tell you, I want you to know something today, church. There is a different response than panic. You can live life with strength and confidence no matter what is around the corner. You can find peace in the midst of your storm. You can, you can calm the raging tempest inside you. I'm here to proclaim to you today that you can find help and hope because the Bible promises us that. The Bible promises us that we can live without fear or dread no matter what we face in life. Regardless of the storms outside, we can have peace within. I imagine most of you today, if not all of you, you're thinking, well, that sounds pretty good. Charlie, I want to live that kind of life. I'm sick and tired of my life being defined by my pain and trouble and suffering. I want my life to be more than just trying to survive the day or waiting for the weekend. I want my life to be more than being defined by trying to avoid as much trouble as possible. I want my life to be defined by joy and peace and strength and purpose. I don't want to be a victim. I want to be a victor. 
Well, you can. All that's needed is one thing. Oh, I know people who've had this one thing. It's rather remarkable. I saw it on this lady I went to visit in the hospital one time. She was in her 40s, dying of breast cancer. I got to her room and I couldn't believe what I saw. Friends were there with music blaring. They were dancing and singing and having a party for her birthday. There was cake next to her hospital bed. She was wearing a pink birthday hat. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not an appropriate way to respond to death. But then I saw it. It was on her face. Oh, my dad had it. I would often see it on his face when we would be around the dinner table table holding hands and he would pray before we ate. And I would often lift up one eye and look at my dad as he prayed. I saw it on his face. John Wesley had it. He found it at Aldersgate. It's what transformed his ministry. Countless others have had it, and it's given them strength in the midst of difficult times and inspired them to do extraordinary things. What is it? It goes all the way back to Abraham. You remember Abraham? Because Abraham had it, all of us can have it. Remember Abraham? Abraham had it when God told him to leave everything he loved and everything he knew and everything that was familiar and go, even though he had no idea where he was going. Abraham had it. When he was told that he and Sarah were going to have a child when they were um, a little too old for that? What was it? It's described all over Scripture. And we see it in Hebrews 11. Here it is. Now faith is confidence and what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Faith. That's what it is. Faith. Now, what is faith? Let me put it this way. Christians are not perfect people. Christians don't have the answers to everything. Christians aren't super righteous above anybody else. Christians don't have the perfect theological answer to every question. Far from it. Christians are people who have learned like Abraham that God can be trusted. God can be trusted in the midst of a storm to give you strength and sustain you. God can be trusted to take evil and suffering and trouble and transform it into good. God can be trusted to sustain you in the midst of difficult times. God can be trusted to receive you when you die. God can be trusted. And if we don't believe this, we might as well be somewhere else today. If we don't believe this, we're just playing church. If we don't believe this, all this means nothing. Because the church is not some charity organization. The church is not some glorified nonprofit. The church, we are a group of people who have learned that God is real and that God can be trusted. Do you believe that? I'm glad you do, Apple back there. There you go. Faith is not giving up. It is giving in to the only power that can be trusted. It is putting your whole weight on that power. 
Paul in Philippians learned this. This is a great text. He says this. I have learned. This is an amazing text. I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances may be. I know how to live when things are difficult. And I know how to live when things are prosperous. In general and in particular. Listen to this. I have learned the secret of facing either poverty or plenty. I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives in me. Wow. The secret. Now notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say the secret is a different set of circumstances. Paul doesn't say the secret is just sheer willpower. What was the secret? Christ who lives in him. That was the secret. That Paul learned that Jesus was enough. When you face trouble in life, no matter what it is, I'm not trying to downplay it today. Trouble in life can be hard. It can be difficult. It can take your breath away. But here's the truth. When we come down to it, when we face it knowing there is a power at work within us that is beyond us and above us and more than us, we can face it with strength and confidence knowing it is there. See, oftentimes when when trouble in life gets the best of us, it is because we believe that Jesus is not enough. So we often try to grab things, anything and everything, even when it's toxic, to find some kind of control. But here's the truth. Fear and dread develop when we believe everything depends on us. But trust and strength develop when we learn that everything depends on God. Now, it takes some of us a long time to learn that. Amen? So here's the truth I want you to know today. And again, many of us don't learn this until after many lessons in life. We never know that Jesus is enough until Jesus is all we have left. And I can't think of a greater illustration of this than a man named Peter one time when he went barefoot skiing with Jesus. You've read that in the Gospels, right? He goes barefoot skiing. Well, I'm not really barefoot skiing, but you know the story. Matthew 14 version, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, do not be afraid. And then Peter. Oh, Peter says, well, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. Now let me tell you something. A popular way of preaching this text for years and years and years and years and years from preachers, and I know because I used to be on the board listening to sermon after sermon after sermon, a popular way to preach this text is, well, Peter began to sink when he took his eyes off Jesus. Well, that's not bad. That'll preach. But I believe it goes a bit 
deeper than that. You see, Peter, he was receiving a lesson from Jesus when you read the entire story. Peter realized that he was powerless over his circumstances. He was, he was powerless over gravity. He was, he was powerless at the moment over everything around him. And he came to the moment of truth where he realized all he had was Jesus. And he allowed Jesus to take hold of him. Now the late great spiritual writer Henry Nouwen learned this amazing lesson by going to a circus of all places. He went to see the flying rodlays perform, this great trapeze group. And the, the things they would do in the air with those trapeze, it was amazing. I mean, they'd fly with such precision and grace. And Nowen was amazed by it. And after the performance, Nowen approached Rodley, the star of the show, and began to talk to him about what he did. And Nowen said, how in the world are you able to do that? To perform with, with such grace and precision. And what Rod Lay said was so profound. He said, you know what? Everybody thinks that I'm the great star of the show. I'm not the star. The star is Joe, my catcher. All I have to do is reach out my arms and allow Joe to catch me. The worst thing I can do is try to catch the catcher. It's not my job to catch Joe. It's Joe's job to catch me. So often when we, we face trouble, we try to grab on to God. We grab on to God with fanciful praying, with mental gymnastics, flailing in the air trying to grab on to God. And here's the truth when it comes to what faith is. Faith is not grabbing on to God. It is allowing God to grab us. By His grace. Oftentimes we're, we're like that drowning man who can't be rescued because he's, he's flailing his arms in panic and trying to grab on to the rescuer. He prevents himself from being rescued because he will not allow himself to be rescued. For that rescuer to grab hold of him. Are you in trouble today? Do you feel panic today? The best thing you can do is to be still. Don't make a decision out of panic. Don't be compulsive about anything. And allow God to grab hold of you and put your whole weight upon him. Robert Louis Stevenson once wrote an amazing short story about this ship that was in an awful storm. It was along a rocky shore, and everybody on board thought they were going to die. And when, when trouble was at its worst, there was one daring man who said, I'm going to go see the captain. So he walked up to the captain, and when he saw the captain, the captain was lashed at his post, firmly at the wheel, turning that ship slowly and slowly and slowly into the open sea. And when that captain noticed that man's fear-stricken face, just white as a sheet, the captain smiled. Then that man ran down to the people and said, 
I, I've seen, I've seen the captain. I've seen the, all is well. Are you in trouble today? I know the captain. And you know the captain. All will be well. And this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Great God, I pray for all of us in worship today and those who are especially in the midst of trouble. That you would give them a strength beyond themselves. You allow them to be still. And recognize that you are at work within them. They don't have to figure it all out. Lord, help us to put our whole weight upon you and grab hold of us. We know you will. We count on that, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been to church with that one, huh? I love it. Thank you, Matthew and the choir. We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope this has been a time of meaning and inspiration for you. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you, both now and forevermore. Amen.